those of you that are watching us online, thank you for joining us wherever you may be. If you were in the traffic and went home and are now watching, please take no offense at my comments. Smiling at the red light. Praise God. Amen. If you're not standing and you can stand, if you would stand, particularly for the benefit of those that may be a little newer to Antioch, I will give a little more introduction than maybe we normally do. We are so thankful tonight to have Brother Greg, God, Brother Greg Godwin with us. He is a full-time evangelist. How many years, Brother Godwin, have you been traveling now? 27 years. That is so amazing. 27 years. Basically, every week of the year, traveling, airplanes, and car rides, and uh, that's his calling, and we appreciate him accepting his calling. He is uh, a boomer sooner. He is uh, originally from Oklahoma, now kind of basing out of Fort Wayne, correct, Indiana, but been a longtime friend of this church. And uh, we are so thankful to have him here with us tonight. And uh, we are actually going to be blessed to have him Sunday night as well. And I believe, I believe that God has brought him at this time. And I believe that he's going to, to communicate a word from the Lord to us tonight. And Sunday night, and I am I am very thankful for that. I am so thankful. I know I've said it before, but I want to say it again tonight. I am so thankful for the men and women that God has blessed this church with a connection with. Because no one voice, no one person has all the tools to get us where we need to go. And I appreciate for the Godwin's connection to us. And uh, he is a friend to this church. He is my friend. And uh, it's a privilege to have him here. So, Brother Godwin, come, take your liberty. Whatever the Holy Ghost wants to say and do, that's what we want tonight. And if you love your pastor, why don't we give him a big hand? Come on, everybody. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We love him and his wife. I'm trying to remember how this thing works. Hallelujah. That's the honey knob. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I did that for honoriness. Amen. High five three people and tell them you look better than I do. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man. And we give honor to all of you and thank God for the saints and all the new ones that we haven't met. We give honor to you. Thank the Lord. Amen. It's just an honor to be here. And, of course, we give honor to uh, Bishop and Mother. I think I saw him earlier. They're probably down in the prayer room. We give them honor. And of course, um, uh, the other two since I've been here that kind of been a re reorganizing and a maturing and whatever we want to call it, we give honor to those churches and to those ministries that are still Antioch. And uh, look at somebody and say, if we have revival, they're having revival. And if they're having revival, we're having revival because we're all in revival. Amen. And so we're thankful for it. And uh, the spreading out, uh, when I landed, I told the brother that picked me up, I just about got in tears. I did the date in staff meeting at the absolute hundreds of millions of people that are here that don't even know we're on the planet. Thank you all, eight of you. Uh, I mean, as good as we think we're doing, they don't even know we're here yet. 
And so the challenge with greatness, greatness, the greatest challenge to being great is just being good. Well, I'm running out of amens already. Uh, you know, we get sometimes we get to drinking our own Kool Aid and think we're the boom shakalaka. Y'all, y'all need to say y'all forgot the rules. Say amen, or it's gonna get tough. I tell some churches just fake it, be a hypocrite, and say amen. So I keep going. But if you get quiet, I know I got you now. So just amen. So uh, we've got a lot of work to do. We rejoice. We don't think highly of ourselves, and we ought to. We got to have good self-esteem and feel good about our efforts and what we're doing, but we always got to stay after it. Amen? Amen. And so we thank God for this church and its vision. I talk about you everywhere, how you're spreading out and multiplying and reaching and starting congregations and preaching points and all the things you're doing. That is extremely apostolic. And uh, you need to look at somebody and say, don't feel bad about being apostolic. Amen. That's the way we, we, we've got to reach everybody that we can with the good news and uh, then let them decide what they're going to do. Amen. Amen. But look at somebody say, i got to tell somebody. Amen. All right. That's enough preaching on that. Luke 22. Uh, Luke 22. I feel like preaching. I feel like this could be somebody's service. Uh, it could be somebody's service to get the Holy Ghost. It could be somebody's decision. Somebody struggling with life. And uh, hell hates you. And uh, you got to just get a bulldog grip on this thing and say, you ain't going to run me out of here with a bazooka. Amen, devil. You ain't going to run me out of here. So I, I hope you'll fake it and act like it's Sunday night because I feel like preaching. Amen. And uh, we'll throw a little log on the fire here and uh, see what, who, who, who we can't get saved. In Jesus' name. A lot of reading, verse 1, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan. Then entered Satan. Then entered Satan into Judah, surnamed Iscariot, being the number of the twelve, and he went his way and command, communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and con- covenanted to, to give him money and he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude and they came of the day came of unleavened bread when they Passover must be killed and he sent Peter and John saying go and prepare this Passover that we may eat and they said unto him wilt, where wilt thou that we prepare and he said unto behold when ye enter into the city there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water follow him into the house where he entered the end and ye shall say unto the good man of the house the master saith that he where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with disciples and ye shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready they went and found as he had said unto them they made ready the Passover and when the hour was come he sat down and the twelve apostles with him and said unto them with desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer? For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. He took bread, gave thanks, break it, gave unto them. This is my body which is given for you. This do you in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper... This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that shall betray me is with me on the table. Truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also strife among them which of them should be accounted as the greatest. Isn't that something? Ain't nothing changed. Everybody wanted to be the boom shakalaka. Well, I could hoop right there. Yeah. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they the exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He that is chief, as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at me, or he that serveth is not he that sitteth at me, but I am among you as he that serveth. 
ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. My title, Satan, your request has been denied. Amen. Look at three people around you and tell them, Satan, your request has been denied. Somebody's got to let hell know tonight. I deny your request. Come on, turn to three people and tell them, tell hell you can't have me. Amen. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Come on. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Uh, it's Thursday night, so it's kind of like Bible study. So we'll throw a little information in there so you feel like you hadn't been cheated. Brother Cole said the difference between preaching and teaching is telling and yelling. So we're going to tell a little bit and then we're going to yell a little bit. So you wasn't planning on getting yelled at, so I'm going to tell a little and then yell a little. Uh, in living, I think especially living for God, but in living, period, it is so easy to get busy with life and living that we lose perspective of the hour that we are living. Uh, getting caught up with work, traffic, all the things that we do and travel and paying the bills and battling things, battling the demons of hell, battling sickness, battling people drinking haterade. My mind's running, but I don't want to keep you here all night. And all the things that we battle in life, whether you're in the church or out of the church. But then you take everything everybody battles in life and then multiply it with you being in the church. And now you're involved in this spiritual vortex of dynamic, demonic, angelic warfare. The only way to survive it is at some point I have to back up from living and look at everything from a distance if I can and try to make a lot of sense out of all the chaos. And I think right now we that are in the church in these last, what looks like the last few moments of time would surely come to the conclusion that we are living in the final seconds of time. And I don't think I've got to go through all the crazy stuff that's going on. Just crazy. I mean, congressmen practicing baseball or softball, number one, at 7 o'clock in the morning. What in the world? I heard that. And I said, what in the name of peanut butter and jelly is going on? My God. We can't even get folks to get up and pray at 7, much less go practice softball at 7. And uh, so they're out there at 7, and then somebody's up at 7, and, and you know the story. It's horrific. And, uh, I mean, you got human beings commandeering vehicles and, and, and driving them up on wide sidewalks and just running over 8 and 10 and 25 people and people jumping over bridges to avoid it. And, I mean, it's, it's just craziness. People are losing their mind. I believe it's the demons of hell. The Bible says hell will enlarge itself and open its mouth without measure. Hell is doing everything it can at this final moment to destroy mankind. But we understand in the church that the latter house is going to be greater than the former. And that in the same last days that Peter said would be perilous times, which is broke loose, run away, out of control and wild, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Right why hell is doing everything it can to open its mouth without measure to get every man, woman, boy, and girl can. But the, the Bible says, the Lord said, in that same time, I'm going to be pouring my spirit out on everybody. I'm just going to say, the word literally means to spill without caring where the contents go. I know it's unbelievable. The carpet got wet. Is that horrible? Just, oh my word, the carpet is wet. I know. <laughs> 
But that's what the Holy Ghost is. Oh, I go to churches and the Holy Ghost falls and about 30, 40 people get in the Holy Ghost. People start shouting and jumping. And there's always some little prissy little praise the Jesus little saints are like, well, is all of that necessary? <laughs> when he's pouring it out, honey, you, you know, you just, you got to move. Now, I don't know about you. Now, if I threw that water on you, you wouldn't just go, oh, that was nice, but I'm not emotional, so I'm not going to move. Are we Pentecostals cray-cray or what? I've, I've been in Louisiana a lot, and they say cray-cray in the cooyah. That's crazy in the head. You know, it's just, well, I feel the Lord, but I'm just not emotional. Yeah, let me throw this water on you. Let's see if you flinch. You get emotional about what you want to get emotional about. Touch somebody and say, fake it and make it. Just act like you like this stuff. Amen. Uh, uh, and so, so we know it is the hour that has come. We have to understand this is it. When the rapture takes place, there'll be young people that are that are engaged, about to get married. There'll be I'm a now pawpaw. I'm a pawpaw by a month and a half. I got the cutest little grandkid ever been born. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, I had to say that just to be qualified to be a pawpaw. Hallelujah. Uh, little Everett, he's something else. But you know what? Hey Amen. The rapture gonna take place and I've only got to see him three times. Rapture may take place and you may never have your grandkid. You may, na- you may never get married. You may never get to be a pawpaw. You may never see. You may never have great grandkids. Because when the rapture takes place, there's going to be people at every stage in every life of life. It's going to be at every moment. It could come at any moment. I know everybody wants to be a pawpaw and everybody wants to get a job. Everybody wants a you know, 6,500 square foot house and 15 bathrooms in it. And I understand. But the rapture is going to take place and everybody's trying to get it. He's going to come in an hour that you think not while you're waiting to be a pawpaw, while you're waiting to get married. He's going to come when you ain't even thinking about it. And so we got to be ready. So I think we have to understand, number one, as a church, that we are living in the final seconds of the final moments of this thing called time. The disciples are caught up in this thing. They don't understand. Jesus has called them together. It's been about three and a half years. They've already started looking for positions. You got parents trying to pull strings and say, Now look, Jesus, and my two boys are the sons of thunder. Can one sit on your left and one on your right? I mean, they, they, everybody's trying to get position, posturing, because they think there's going to be this earthly kingdom. And, they, and they, 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 they're not even thinking. They don't have any idea what's about that. They don't have an idea that dirty old Gentiles are about to get the Holy Ghost and, and that the purpose of God, that what God has been planning all of the eons and the ages of time is about to open up a door of salvation to the Gentile nations, which is everybody with the Jews. They don't have any idea about this thing called heaven. They don't, they, they, they're just looking for an earthly kingdom. But they, what they don't know is that in the text, they walk into a dinner that is going to become the last supper. And in John 12, uh, it is recorded that the hour is come. John chapter 13, the Bible says Jesus knew that his hour was come. And John 13 and 31, when Judas walks out of the Last Supper, the Bible said, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. The word hour in Scripture is chronos, which is a keeping of time, measuring of time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, so on and so forth. Then there's et in the Hebrew, ett, which is a conceived opportunity. But then there is kairos, which is not just the passing of time, but it is a critical epic moment of time ordained of God. What he was telling them was this is not just another dinner. This is not just a chronos moment. It is a kairos moment. We're not going to have he told them. We're not going to have this supper again until we get over there. This is it. It's not just an opportunity. This is the epic moment ordained of God. Now it's not just enough to know that it is the uh, epic moment, but now you got to go to John 13 and 1 where Jesus knew that his hour was coming. Now what I want to ask you is we know Jesus could come and we know, amen, that the rapture is about to take place and we know there's going to be an outpouring right before that happens, but I want to ask you, do you know this is your hour? Not just our hour, it's got to become your hour. It can't just become the Wright's hour or Antioch Incorporated's hour, the Apostolic Church's hour. At some point, every person in the building has got to say, this is my hour. This is what I was conceived for. This is what I came to the kingdom. you got to be like the, the uncle that tormented Mordecai 
as it's a challenge is not to become weary in well doing and caught up in the mundane so much that you lose focus of what time it is. He said, this is my hour. Now there's things that happen when it's your hour. The Bible says that Jesus got up from the table. He said, supper's ended. At some point, now I'm teaching now, for a revival to happen in you and in us, there has to be a collective response from us that says, supper's over. Meaning, you've got to quit living for God and coming to church just to get something out of it for yourself. You gotta just quit slipping up to the table, sitting back, crossing your arms, putting your napkin in your neck, saying, okay, Pastor Wright, come on, talk to me. Feed me. Okay, praise him. Come on, entertain me. Okay, y'all, come on, t- turn it on. I've had a bad week. We've all had a bad week. I didn't get enough amen. We've all had tough times. But at some point, I've got to reach maturity where I say, okay, supper's over. I'm not here just to get fed. Then what did Jesus do? He got up from the table. I could preach a long time on all of it. At some point, you've got to get up from the table of self-satisfaction and you've got to pick up a towel and say, it's time to serve. I got 28 hand claps. You've got to look at somebody and say, you've got to get up from the table. You've got to get up from the table. You've got to say, I've got to serve Jesus. Now, the problem is, as they get into this house, And the servant of the house, the owner of the house, nobody has washed Jesus' feet. Why? Because they have been around him so long that they have become comfortable, casual, and lazy fare. They're familiar. They're just hanging out. It's the gang. It's like the the boom shakalaka. Hey, boo, what's up? Come on, Jesus, what's up? Uh, uh. It's cool. Hey, we're in church again. We're picking picking green, chicken Boom, chicka, 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 boom. We get, hey, we get to hear the bishop preach going home. We're saved. Everybody else is lost. That's their fault. Hey. I mean, these 12 disciples that he picks have become so familiar that none of them even attempt to serve. Dinner served. They're sitting on the little pillars. Leaning, one commentary said, leaning over on their left arm. According to the Eastern custom, they have finished eating. And now he says, we got something else to do here. And he breaks bread and gives them the cup. And then when he's done, he gets up, picks up a towel, and starts washing feet. Now the contrast action at this moment is Jesus is serving, but the text said the hand of the betrayer was on the table with him. At the hour of glory, there's two postures. Posture is attitude. Two attitudes at the hour of glory. One is serve. The other is Judas. Judas walks out, and when he walks out, Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified. Judas, you know the story, goes and gets him 30 pieces of silver. And the, basically the reason is, is because he ain't going to have to answer to people after hanging around with this guy three and a half years. And he goes and dies on the cross. He's talking about dying and everything. And I'm three and a half years I've been with this dude and I ain't got nothing to show for it. And so he gets him 30 pieces of silver so he can get his bag can be filled up. You got to be very careful when you're in the kingdom kingdom work and kingdom effort and you're only here to get what you can get out of it. See, I told y'all earlier, just an amen will keep you out of trouble. So just hit somebody and say, say amen real quick. You didn't say nothing, brother, right? Look at that boy next to you and said, say amen real quick. Thank you. Amen. I'm coming out here to see if the PA's on. I'm going to give you it, but it's on, so you need to say something. What, what are you in it for? Jesus shows us the other moment of the action at glory and he picks up a towel and starts washing people's feet. But now Luke gives us a little insight because he's a physician and a doctor. He looks a little deeper into the moment and between breaking bread and serving the cup and picking up a towel, he looks at Peter and says, in this hour of glory, Simon 
Simon. Satan hath desired to have you. In this hour of glory, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Now, 27 years of evangelizing, 35 years preaching, it has stunned me and shocked me at when the enemy, Satan, begins to sift. The word to sift means to shake and to agitate. Now stay with me. It's always at the hour of glory. Right at an epic moment, hell shows up. I can tell you stories. I'm talking about people praying through, gang members praying through, people throwing dope on the platform, emptying their pockets, crack bags being thrown all over the platform. And while that's going on, people been in the church 30 years, 35 years, 40 years, completely flip out, getting to fight with each other. I've literally been in revival, had people praying through by the, couldn't even count them, they was happening so fast. And saints in the parking lot throwing punches. I know you're not supposed to talk about that, but I'm being real with somebody tonight. I mean, right now? I mean, have people throwing dope on the platform, throwing, throwing 12 packs of Budweiser on the platform, midair. New, new, brother New Strands in Newark, Ohio. A young man ran out, hit the altar, call around, thought we lost him. Woman come running to the altar, hit the floor, prayed through, glasses fell off. I was wondering why she had glasses on in the middle of church on Sunday morning. Wasn't no windows in there, so there wasn't no sunlight. She wasn't an elderly lady. It was a young woman. And when she ran to the altar and hit the floor, I preached on a runaway chair in a runaway world. Won't ever forget it. I ain't never preached it again. Should. We had eight get the Holy Ghost that morning. Maybe I ought to preach that one again. She ran right down the aisle. Hit the floor. And when she did, her glasses popped off and her eyeballs, her eyes were black. Husband had beat her and bruised her up. She black brother. That's why she had to. And while she's coming to the altar and people are getting the Holy Ghost, this guy gets up, boom, runs out the door. I thought we lost him, but we got her. Right right in my mind, I thought we got her and lost him. About 10 minutes, he came running back in, and he had two 12-packs in his hand. But it's a big church. It's about as wide as this one is deep. And he was running. And I was pretty quick then, but I wasn't quick enough to get across church like that. And he was running. And 12-packs were swinging. And I said, oh, my God, what's he going to do? And all of a sudden, he went, whoop, and threw him in him 12-packs. It's like slow motion. I'm like, oh, my God, there's going to be bubbly everywhere. When them cans hit the ground, there's going to be beer exploding. Mother New Strand's going to have a fit. And I watched them two 12-packs hit the ground. Cans of beer went everywhere and not one can burst. They cast the devils out of him. He was an alcoholic at uh, 21 years old. Literally cast devils out of him. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. The last I knew, he was still in the church. I'm talking about seeing stuff like that happen. But while that's going on, other people leaving the church. Gang members praying. Here's what I'm trying to say. Have people praying through, coming out of sin, coming out of addictions, coming out of abuse. And people that's been in the church, in the group, in the club. All of a sudden, they go out to what the sinner's coming out of. And I'm trying to think, God, what is going on? Why are these people throwing dope on the platform? Throwing little cans with, hold their paraphernalia. One guy jumped and, and run to his car and come running in and threw a little gold pan. About two inches deep, the lid popped open and, and a bent spoon and a big old rubber pan and a needle and some little bags of dope popped out. It was the needle was, he, he could, the spoon was so he could put his little crack in there and he had a little lighter. He could melt it down, suck it up in the deal, run it up in his vein. I mean, he just threw it all on the platform. While that's going on, you got people that's been in it for years. People that's been around the church. All of a sudden have 18, 20, 35, 50 people praying through and there'd be two or three that get shook out. And it doesn't make any sense. And the preacher's frustrated. In the pack, am I preaching all right tonight? And the pastor's frustrated about it. I've come to say to this church tonight, hey man, you are having revival in Antioch Incorporated. You've got people praying through here. It's going to be more. But I've come to preach to this church on Thursday night and tell you Satan has desired to have you. But you've got to tell him, I deny your request. You will not sift me out of this. You will not shake me out of this thing. Hell moves in, intrudes a solemn moment. 
Because he wants to divide this member. Listen to me now. To divide this member and dissolve the foundational 12. Right when a church is having revival, Satan moves in to divide, dismember, and dissolve. Suddenly the dinner, the posture is revealed of the glory. Judas leaves to get his money. Jesus curds himself with a towel. Peter is approached last. Let's watch the sifting. He's already told him, Peter. Size Satan, not a devil, not a demon. Satan. Diabolos. The agitator. The confuser is after you. Why? Because he is given the keys to the kingdom. What are the keys of the kingdom? The gospel power. Listen to me, saints. You didn't just get an inbuilt devil detector when you got the Holy Ghost. When you get, got baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, you didn't just get that just as some little nice little recipe because that's what Pentecostals believe. When you were born again and you understand this gospel message, you were given the keys. You know how to unlock the door to people to get in, to let outsiders in. Are you with me? Therefore, you become attack. You become a key of attack. You become somebody hell hates because you know how to keep people from jumping off a bridge. You know how to keep people from going cray cray. Come on, touch somebody and say, if we could just get to somebody, we could stop a lot of foolishness. We could tell them peace. We know where peace is. We know where the peace of God is. That doesn't mean we don't have trouble. And that doesn't mean life doesn't get crazy. But while it's crazy, I'm not going to go crazy. (laughs) Satan looks at Peter. I mean, Jesus looks and says... Satan has desired Diabolos. Lucifer, the anointed cherub, that has become the devil, wants you. And you, 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 and me. I've had to look myself. I've traveled 27 years, preached 35, divorced. had to look myself in the mirror and say, Greg Godwin, you will not go to hell over this. Oh, I wanna, I wanna, I was on the phone with Brother Dylan when I went past it. It was just getting going. Ambulances pulled up, fire trucks, everything. They were looking over and I was on the phone with Bishop Dylan. I said, it looks like there was a jump. He said, oh God. I said, I've been there and thought that before. He said, huh? I said, you heard me right. See, not going to get no amen. Come on, if you're spiritual, okay. You go ahead, write a check with your mouth you can't cash. Go ahead on. Go ahead, super duper extracalifragilisticexpialidocious. You go ahead on. Your test is coming. We'll see. Before you get out of here, you're going to get tested. Because Satan has desired. I know what it is. Driving across the bridge in, North, in New Orleans over, nine, over Interstate uh, Highway 90 over the bridge to go to the West Bank. Never any traffic there. Always traffic from the West Bank down back to New Orleans downtown. All of a sudden, getting going up the hill, and all of a sudden traffic stops right at the top. And when I was a kid, when we'd cross the Mississippi River, anybody in water, my daddy would tell about Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer stories and whirlpools and them. Guiding a raft down across head and look how back when I was a kid they didn't have walls on the bridges you know they were just wires up there you know boy you could see out there man oh look we oh me and guy you didn't have to wear seatbelts back then we jumping up to the wind wow look I see a whirlpool water spin ah there's a pool to this day when I when I crossed the bridge on fifty coming over here I looked over the edge is that and was that as that traffic stopped I'm right on the inside lane. At the top of the bridge, walls about that high, and I look like I always do. And when my eyes hit the water, the devil said, "You'll be in the water before they know what happened." And my hand was on the door handle, and the door came open, and traffic started moving. I closed the door. Satan has desired. I'm not proud of that. I'm trying to be real with you because I don't want you to preach fight. Got his hair combed, got glasses and a mic and good suit and his little shoes on. Little old preacher, he don't know nothing. No, Pookie knows something. Pookie knows something. 
Look at somebody say, Pookie knows something. Oh, yeah. Yes, man, give me some pound right there, girl. That's what I'm talking about. Now that, I'm not glorifying it. James, the pastor of the church, said, Think it not strange, the fiery trial that was sent to try you. It'll come out of nowhere. I'm talking about at the Last Supper. They don't realize it. In just a short time, Jesus is going to be hung high and stretched wide. Back is going to be ribbons of trembling flesh. His soul will be poured out, meaning he will pour out his blood. His beard will be plucked. There will be a crown of thorns jammed on his head. They will beat him from shoulder to the heels of his feet. they're, They're just days away. They're days away from an earthquake and a stone rolling away and two angels coming and rolling the stone away and Jesus, resurrection. They don't realize the hour that they're right. They don't realize they're about 59 days from the day of Pentecost. Two months from an hour. And Satan walks right up into this last supper. And in that last supper, he enters Judas. Now that shouldn't shock you. Because the first two humans were in the church called Eden. And they were perfect. They didn't even have knowledge of good good and evil. God was their pastor. He preached the truth to them. He said, I want you to multiply, replenish, be fruitful, have dominion. He said, that everything in the garden, it's all yours. You the boom shakalaka. He said, but that one tree, just don't touch it. See, the problem with living for God has never been about the don'ts. Because when there was only one don't, and they didn't even know there was good and evil, and God himself was their pastor and met them every day in the cool, misty wind, Satan slipped right up in it. It don't, listen to Brother Godwin. It don't matter how many lights you got. It don't matter how boom shaka laka laka lee your music is. It don't matter how good your little programs are. You can't keep him out. He's going to slip up in your perfect little atmosphere. And he's going to try to shake you out of it. Now, we know call the world. We know how to pray. We know how to do all that. But what happens is when he comes Right in the midst of the glory. You can't get it so perfect that Satan ain't going to slip up in it. Oh, I'm not going to get no amens, but it's just amen. Somebody amen me so I can hurry. See, I'm okay. You want me to stop, Pastor? I'm okay. I'm all right. (laughs) I mean, he, he, he can't preach good enough for you. He can't learn Greek, Hebrew, and Swahili enough for you. It ain't going to do no good. I won't tell because we're on video now. This is probably half the world's watching or whatever. Things happen in the middle. Save people in the middle of the hour of glory. The devil shows up. And while you got people coming in, people maturing, people, all of a sudden, Satan, I mean, Simon, Satan has desired to have you and to sift you as wheat. How quick does it happen? Jesus is washing feet, makes his way around the table, and he comes to Simon last. And Simon says, what you doing? He don't even look up. He says, what I'm doing, Simon? Basically, he said, you ain't going to understand this. Simon said, well, you're not washing my feet. Jesus said, Simon, if you don't let me do this, you don't have any part. Now watch Simon. Watch Satan slip in. Everybody else has just got their feet washed. 
Simon says, well, Lord, if you're going to wash mine, wash my head too. Which mud he was saying was, wash me all over. Pride slips in. At the hour of glory. Well, I know you did everybody else's feet, but I'm the boom shakalaka, so you know you're going to do more for me. Sift is to shake in a sieve by inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. They walk out. Judas has done his deal. He comes back to the garden because he knew where they would be. Jesus has prayed three times and watched Simon. He falls to sleep three times. This is the last prayer meeting Jesus will ever have on the planet. And you get to be in it, but you can't stay awake. Simon, Simon. Satan has desired to have you missed it. All of a sudden, here comes torches. Here comes a crowd. They get up. What's going on? They said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus stepped up and said, I am he. Isn't that something? They didn't even know who he was. He didn't stand out from the crowd. He wasn't for the cover of GQ magazine. Judas said, I'm going to have to point him out. And Judas walks up and betrays him with a kiss. And when the soldiers reach for him and grab him by the arm, all of a sudden Simon, he reaches over and grabs some, another soldier's sword, whack and wave, swings it at him and man's ear pops off. She said, Simon, Simon, stop. Agitation, agitation. Satan had this heart to sift you, to agitate you. It looked like a holy righteous indignation. She said, no, 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 stop. And the whole, all of them's watching. He picks up that flopping ear and puts it back on. And they still crucified him. Oh, Jesus. You would think after that, they think, oh, wait a minute, we need to go tell Pilate he's lost his mind. We saw him put a man's ear back on. We ain't doing this. They watched him put that man's ear back on. And they still took him to a whipping post. They still ripped his clothes off of him. They still ripped his back wide open. And Simon, what you going to do, Simon? Simon, where's Simon? You watch it. Simon, you're going to deny me. Oh, Lord, I'll never deny. He said, yeah, you will. Before the chicken crows, you're going to deny you even know me three times. You're one of his, aren't you? Uh -huh, I don't know him. Aren't you one of his? The old devil is a lie. Been with him three years, seen him heal everybody he ever prayed for. Watched him cast out devils, was on the boat when he calmed the storm. Was standing there when he cast the devils, 2,000 devils, out of the man from Gadara. And aren't you him? No, I ain't him. cock a doodle Oh, Lord. He forgot. Simon, Satan's trying to shake you out of this. Satan's, Satan's trying to cause your faith to fail. Satan. Satan's trying to shake you out of this in spite of all the miracles, in spite of the storms being quieted, in spite of Lazarus walking out of a grave. Simon, you just denied that you even knew him. He goes to the whipping post. Simon's nowhere. I'm going to hurry. He gets to the cross. They drop him, drop it in the ground. He's drowning dying from hypovolemic shock. Has to push himself up to get a breath, but when he does, he's pulling on the nails in his feet to get a breath, but it's hurt back down, but now he's... He's drowning because of his upper body is filling up with fluids and blood. And he's in this life struggle. There's Simon. There's gamblers at the cross. There's watchers at the cross. There's John and Mary Magdalene, and Mary, but there's no Simon. He's nowhere. 
Jesus dies, when they take him off the cross, there's Joseph of Arimathea. There's some of the soldiers. No doubt this is the son of God. There's Mary. There's Mary Magdalene. There's John. But there's no Simon. Simon's gone. They bury him. There's no Simon. The man with the keys. It looks like Satan's got him. Three days. The earthquake. A resurrection. The women are there to anoint him, but there's no Simon. When they get there, the angel said, what y'all doing? Well, we've come to anoint the body of our Lord. He said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's gone like he said. What? You mean he's gone? They took off for the upper room because Simon and the rest of the preachers are scared to death. Chewing the fingernails all the way to the elbow. Bust through the door. The grave's empty. The grave's empty. Peter and John take off. John apparently gets there first. He's fastest. But he waits at the opening of the tomb until Simon comes up and Simon says, is he there? And basically he said, well, I don't know. You're the man with the keys. You go first. The Bible says Peter went in. He looked. It was empty. And all he could find was a little folded napkin, which according to the custom meant, I shall return. And Peter walked out. And the Bible says, Pastor, Peter walked out wondering in himself at the things that had come to pass. He walks out. Is he there? Is he there? No, I, 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 I don't see. John goes in and looks at the same evidence. It's empty, a folded napkin. But the Bible says John goes out believing. We're not sure. Is Peter going to make it? All of a sudden, Jesus appears. Hey, fellas, 11 men. Thomas isn't there. Oh, my God. It's him. He appears to him again. Peter's there. He's hanging in there. Peter, James, John, come with me. And while they're in, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he tells them, now I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to preach repentance and remission of sins in my name. And while he's talking, a cloud comes and lifts Jesus out. And there's Simon Peter. So overwhelmed by the move of God, they can't move. They forget the next step. They're at the house of Bethany, which is the house of unripe figs. Jerusalem is the city of joy. Bethany was the best blessed place. If you just keep hanging around for blessing, it's going to go spoil on you. It's going to be unripe figs. It's going to leave you drunk. It's going to leave you stunned. On the way up, I see Jesus look back down. And then three fellas ain't doing what he said. He's dispatching an angel. Get down to remind him what to do. <laughs> angel said, what y'all doing? Uh. Well, you know, we, we, we want to build three temples. And we, uh, he said, no, to remember what he said? Remember he told you to go to Jerusalem and tarry? Somehow they get stirred up enough and it starts out with 500 people. Ten days away from Pentecost. But as the days checked and the calendars changed, the crowd stops starts dwindling down. This is a waste of time. This, ain't, this is crazy. Hanging around here 10 days for what's Pentecost? What do you mean we're going to be endued with power? Seven days. Six days. People are leaving. Is Peter leaving? If you read the text, you don't know. Until the day of Pentecost, suddenly there's a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, some of the women. All the disciples. See, some people say, well, the Holy Ghost talking, talking was only for the 12 disciples. That was wrong the first day. Amen. Somebody wants to make Mary a God. Mary, if Mary was here, she said, don't be worshiping me. I had to have the Holy Ghost. 
Because Acts 1, about 14, 15, 16, 17, Mary was in the upper room. And Mary was one of the ones that got the Holy Ghost. They all got the Holy Ghost. Now, she may have gave birth to the man Christ Jesus in the body, but that didn't give her a key to getting to heaven. Well, we're going to let you slip in here because you got stressed out crazy for nine months. You know, so you get a little, a little check. You can come on in like you are. The devil is a lie. You got to have the Holy Ghost. Without the Spirit, you are none of His. Come on, somebody. And when the Holy Ghost falls, you got the point. 120 are all that's left of 500. 380 people are shaken out. Where's Peter? And the crowd shows up. And they say, what meaneth this? These men are drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. These people have been drinking. These crazy people. And all of a sudden, the crowd moves and out stops Peter. And the 11 come with him. And he said, men and brethren, these are not drunk as you suppose. Seeing it's just nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel saying, The last day saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And he began to preach. And while he was preaching, he basically told them, You all crucified the Lord of glory. And verse 37, they said, What shall we do then? And Peter said, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, I know it's boring, but anyway. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Who's preaching that? It's Peter. It's the one that Jesus said, Satan wants you. So what am I telling you? Amen. It may have been about two months of testing. But at the end of that two months, uh, he made a few mistakes. He denied to even know him but in spite of all of that he hung on through the shaking he hung on through the agitation and when the glory fell Peter was still there what I've come to this pulpit tonight is to preach a very simple message and tell you I wish life didn't get tough I wish the devil didn't shake us and life didn't cause us to get agitated but you gotta hang on because the devil thinks you're gonna quit but I've come to tell you hang on there's an outpouring coming there's glory about to fall stand to your feet Musicians, I know it's Thursday. Grab somebody's hand next to you. Pastor, I've... I'm just old enough now, I've seen some stuff. Right at the moment when the glory is about to happen, they slip out. Satan desire to have every one of us. I know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I know that, but you still have a choice. You could throw the white flag of surrender up the pole and just quit. Or you can look life and hell and agitation and the demons of hell right in the face and say, Satan, your request is denied. You can't have me. You've got the final word. And how you come through your situation. And you're going to have to bow up like a man and a strong woman. And say, devil, I deny your request. You can't have me. It's Thursday night. We inspect what we expect. And I know in Pentecost we don't even want to confess that we struggle or we get in a fight and we battle. But just this one time tonight, would you be honest enough with yourself to say, he's right. And you've told hell no before, but he just keeps coming back every while. You know what the Bible said? When, when the devil tempted Jesus for 40 days, 
He departed for a season. He attacked Jesus when he was hungry. He was weak. And Jesus with the word said, it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thou serve. And after that whipping and those three temptations, Satan said, I'm going to have to check out for a little while. I can't keep doing this. The devil will let up for a season. But you got to be ready. Because when's he going to show up? Right. See what? Jesus, 40 days? The Bible said he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. But when the 40 days are over, he comes out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Right? 40 days from the first miracle. When Jesus walks into the temple, there's a man with an unclean devil and he cries out. And the Lord casts the devils out of him. 40 days from that man being delivered of demons. And Satan showed up. Come on. Turn the stones into bread. You hungry? I know who you are. The devil said, I know thee who thou art. He said, turn the stones into bread. Use your power to satisfy your flesh. He said, I'm not going to do that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Forty days from a man being delivered and Satan showed up and tried to tempt Jesus. And I'm saying to this church tonight, your request or your response to hell has to be, you can't have me. You can't have me. I wish I could tell you pretty stories of nothing ever happening wrong. You're looking at a preacher tonight that's had to look at himself in the mirror. I say, Gregory Scott, you are not going to hell. You maybe have never had to do that, but I've had to do it because I refuse to grant hell's request. I want it person you're holding hands with is a real person that's going to spend an eternity somewhere and hell's not satisfied with the millions that are going it wants us it wants me it wants you and you have to say your request has been denied I'm not going to hell I'm not leaving the church I'm not, you're not going to get me out. You're, no, you're, no, devil, you're, you're not going to get me out. I want you to lift that hand up. That's a real person. And I want you to pray for them like you want them to pray for you. Come on. Somebody ought to get out of your pew and make your way right down here to the altar and say, Devil, I'm going to show you. right now. Come on. Come on. The Holy Ghost is helping somebody. The Word of God is encouraging somebody. Come on, sister. Hang on. Come on, brother. Hang on. You got to look hell in the face and say, no. I'm not going. I'm not bowing. I'm not going to bend. I will not give in. Started from the mighty 
need you, God, I want you to pull them out to see you. I don't want you to say, come on, let's go to the altar one more time tonight. I know it's Thursday, Brother God was not going to squeeze this out. I want you to make your way right down here to the front and just say, devil, I've been working all week and I'm tired, but I'm going to the altar tonight. You're not going to talk me out of it.